0: the classical music is not for you and you don't know where to start. Or maybe you're a fan already and would welcome a fresh approach. You've come to the right place. Perfect pitch is for everyone, beginners or experts, whatever your age. Lend Nick Healy Hutchinson your ears for his weekly dose of classical music that will enrich your life.
1: We're going to start today with one of the greatest curtain raisers ever written, Wagner's Prelude to the Master Singers of Nuremberg. If I told you this opera is a good four and a half hours in length, you'd probably think I'd lost the plot if I added that it's not a minute too long, especially when you get a decent interval in the middle of it to enjoy something more than a tub of ice cream. Of his later works, it's the only real comedy that Wagner wrote, and unlike almost everything else by his hand, it's actually quite a simple tale of earthbound love, wholly devoid of Harry Potter-like wizardry, magic and fantasies of any kind. This uplifting prelude, laced with a number of the principal themes in the opera, is played here by the Philadelphia Orchestra, conducted by Christian Tillemann. Let's stay with opera just for a few more minutes. A couple of weeks ago I played you the aria Du bist mein ganzes Herz, you are my heart's desire from Lehár's operetta Die lustige Witwe, The Merry Widow and we heard the fabulous voice of Fritz Wunderlich. Today I want to play another live recording by him in a 1962 production of Tchaikovsky's opera Eugène Onegin. Although obviously set in Russian originally this is a German rendition and I doubt many Russians would be disappointed with this interpretation. Onyegin is an opera which incorporates more of our human conditions than almost any other. Young love, rejection, pride, jealousy, regret, duty, humiliation. It's all there. In the second scene of Act Two, Lensky has arrived to fight a duel against his closest friend Onyegin, which Lensky has demanded in a momentary fit of rage believing that Onegin had been flirting with Lensky's girlfriend, Olga, at a dance the night before. Neither of them want the duel to go ahead, but neither of them has the cojones to say so. So the duel does go ahead, and Lensky is killed. Here is the painfully sad reflection of Lensky's life, his love for Olga and his fear of death. Wunderlich has one of those wonderful voices which sort of qualifies him as a candidate for nominative determinism. He pulls off the sorrow and despair with real feeling, and Tchaikovsky's cascading notes add to the lament. Kuda, kuda from Tchaikovsky's Eugene Onegin is sung here in German by Fritz Wunderlich.
0: Wir neinen Nicht trag es, alles kommt von Gott das Leben und die Fiebe ruhig. Das Glück Here
1: Wagner, as is well known, was a thoroughly unpleasant individual who committed almost every personal vice known to man, and yet was capable of conjuring up the most extraordinary music. How you reconcile those two extremes will remain one of music's eternal dilemmas. But he was by no means alone when it came to unimaginable vices. You'd be hard-pressed to find anyone in the classical music world more depraved than the Australian-born Percy Granger who became a naturalised US citizen and died in the States in 1961. His father was a serial womaniser and heavy drinker, who had fathered a child with another woman before marrying Percy's mother Rose, and she was herself something of a tyrant as a parent, perhaps in reaction to her husband's philandering. Ultimately, she couldn't cope and threw herself out of a window. Her closest to her son Percy even caused some to question if incest was involved. His own sexual predilections are far too unseemly to sully the airwaves of a family podcast, especially when I tell you he developed an interest in self-flagellation as early as 16 years old. Behind these dark secrets, the boy had talent, especially at the keyboard, which attracted plaudits in the States and continental Europe. During his life, he developed a particular fascination for Nordic music and culture, even meeting and befriending Edvard Grieg, whose music he championed. In fact, he met a number of leading composers including Delius, Elgar and Benjamin Britten and in due course was in much demand as a teacher. His compositional output focused largely on abridging some two or three hundred folk songs. He wasn't really taken by the formality of the big romantics and was much more interested in informal experimentation. The most famous of the folk songs is Country Gardens, a piece he was asked to play so often that he landed up hating it. Another clog dance he renamed Handel in the Strand, as it was suggestive of the composer and London as a city of musical theatre before the First World War. After the sublime and heavyweight music of Wagner, which we heard at the beginning of the podcast, these are going to come over as almost trivial. But who say they don't have their place, and an appeal of their own? Handel in the Strand and Country Gardens are played here with delicate humour and a certain flourish by Martin Jones. Let's finish today with something a little weightier. If you cast your mind back to the 16th century, you'll remember that the Netherlands were being invaded by the Spanish, giving rise to the notorious Inquisition. A nobleman by the name of Count Egmont had resisted the persecution of the Protestants, a stance which led to his arrest and execution. The story of the man's fate is told in Beethoven's Egmont Overture. First, the arrest then probing questioning by the prosecution at his trial on the heavy strings, with some delicate woodwind portraying the failed plea for clemency from his wife of 11 children, followed by the guilty verdict being announced emphatically on the brass, and the full orchestra joining in to announce the inevitable death penalty. Egmont gets the chop, and even that is portrayed by two swift notes immediately. But that's not quite the end of it. Beethoven has something else to say. Written in 1810, the piece reflects his own anger at the occupation of the French in Vienna and the city's ultimate liberation. In the closing couple of minutes of this riveting overture, Beethoven makes clear that good triumphs over evil, light over darkness, as the Spanish are eventually sent packing. A message which resonates loudly over 200 years later. Egmont has given his life to a good cause, as many have done since. As recently as 1943, a 21-year-old Sophie Scholl suffered exactly the same fate for resisting the Nazis. Beethoven's Egmont Overture is played here by the Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra, conducted by Claudio Abado.